Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Definitely not the way you want to end the 2022 season. Your Knights lose to the Duke Blue Devils 30 to 13 in a game that just never felt like it was the game that the Knights were going to win. Just from the opening jump, the Knights were undermanned. Uh, JRP kind of was looking like he was going to have one of those games, and the offense couldn't get anything going. Credit to Duke. I mean, they looked like they wanted this more than the Knights. And that is basically what it came down to. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Before we get to Rob, a quick word from Bet Online, our sponsors of the Charge On podcast. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mr. Rob Husby, I mean, what a game. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't want to say meaningless, but I mean, it kind of was at the end of the day, I think... This was the season of what could have been, all right? You could have, we, we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, right? You could have had college game day. You could have won the American Conference Championship if you could have hosted, right? Uh, you could have went to the Cotton Bowl. But, you know, we were in the military bowl, and let me just get it straight. I mean, it is it is a great bowl game. It is a really good bowl game. Uh, it's much better than a lot of the other ones that you could have been in, but it kind of just felt like there was no hype. A lot of, we didn't have our full roster and it was kind of just negative from the jump in that sense, but kind of give your take on the game and, and how you felt watching that game yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy to get lost in, you know, sort of just the times. I, I mean, if it's not a new year six bowl, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's more of just like a, you know, more just a pat on the back saying, hey, nice season, you know, match up against another team that had a nice season. And I mean, I don't think that the matchup was that hyped all that well either. I mean, UCF versus Duke, again, like we played them in men's basketball and that meant a lot more, but playing them in football, you know, really doesn't. Uh, the only reason the Gasparilla Bowl last year, you know, was kind of special was because we were playing Florida. Uh, I mean, that's an in-state rivalry, if you will. But no, I mean, I think... It's hard to get hype for it when it's midweek. It's a Wednesday at 4 p.m. right after Christmas, right before New Year's. It's not that big of a bowl game. And I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of uh, UCF fans, including myself, I think we all just kind of burnt out on UCF football when they've lost their last three out of their last four games now, you know, uh, and some of their most important games, you know, losing, uh, almost losing to USF, but thank God they pulled it out. Uh, losing to Tulane in the championship game, which I think would have left a better taste in everybody's mouth had you win that, won that, obviously. But no, I think everything just kind of 
with the exception of the transfer portal hype that everybody had last week, I think it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Everybody was excited for the transfer portal, ready for the offseason. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you have a midweek bowl game. Here you go. And then, you know, obviously we'll get into it. But UCF didn't even really show up for that. So. Yeah, and I think, again, we said it. There there was a lot of things going against UCF. I mean, the amount of players that did transfer, you had a bunch of starters that transferred to different schools or, you know, declared for the NFL draft. Devon Wilson, he's going to the NFL draft, so you didn't have him. Uh, Tremont Morris-Brash, I didn't know we weren't going to have him. He's injured. He didn't play yesterday. And basically, your entire most of your defense was a bunch of young guys, especially in the secondary. And on your offense... That's a little less of excuse. And, you know, we'll get into what Gus said and stuff. And I don't think there was many excuses on the offense that I looked at yesterday. I mean, you traded O'Keefe for Townsend. And I have some thoughts about Townsend. I think he's he's going to be a great player for us. I don't think he performed as well yesterday as I thought he would. But I think the defense showed a lot of fight, a lot of heart. Change your defensive coordinator. Most of your starters are out. And at the end of the day, they did give you a chance to win. I mean, yes, you gave up 30, but this all came down to pretty much UCF's offense if if we get into it. Now, you said it, Rob. I mean, you don't want to say a bowl game is meaningless. You don't, right? Because at the end of the day, it's it, UCF had a lot to play for. They could have got to 10 wins. In college football, regardless of where you're playing, what conference to get to 10 wins on college football is tough. It is hard. It is a hard thing to do. I think it's only been done six or seven times in the history of UCF football. So that was what got you up in the morning. It was getting to 10 wins. But I'll be honest, it's really hard to... I think when you have the chance to go to a Cotton Bowl, a chance to win a conference title game... Those are things that probably get players motivated and hyped. And like, okay, we can win a conference championship. We're playing USC or, or Tennessee in the Cotton Bowl. Those, for if I'm a player, I'm getting hyped. Not saying this was a great matchup on paper. I mean, Duke has had an excellent year this year, has exceeded all expectations. Mike Alcall's done an insanely great job as head coach of Duke. But if I'm a player, most of my starters have now you know, said, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not playing in this game. I'm transferring. So how hard is it, Rob? How hard is it as a player to kind of get up and, and, you know, say, I'm going to go get hit for another 60 minutes uh, in a bowl game that really doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I still think it has some meaning to the players. You know, it's another game of the season you can play. You know, it's another game you can show out and, you know, show your value to the team. And I think sometimes, especially if you're looking at the defense, I think uh, when a team is depleted like that, I think it's a time for guys who aren't usually starters to come in and, you know, get an opportunity to shine too. that, you know, with with opt outs and with guys transferring guys injured at the end of the year, it's a great way for them to show out too and, and show their worth. But no, I think overall, it is a little bit hard to get motivated because I think, again, I think UCF, the UCF fan base, and I think I'm sure the UCF team still, after that two-lane loss, I think they pretty much phoned it in for the rest of the season. They're like, all right, that's it. I mean, that's your that's your end of your goal was to win the championship game, likely go to a New Year's Six, and they didn't get that. So going to a midweek bowl game, you know, right before New Year's, it's not really all that hype. So 
I can kind of see it both ways where I'm sure it's still, you know, it's another game of football for these guys. Uh, again, another year to show out, another game to show out or opportunity to do so. But at the same time, yeah, it is totally hard to get motivated when, you know, there's really not much on the line for uh, either team. And we'll, and we'll, yeah, there was nothing really on the line. I think there was definitely more on the line for Duke. And I want to make it very clear because uh, the, the the running joke on Twitter right now with UCF fans is like, uh, you know, Florida, for example, last year made a bunch of excuses of why they didn't show up for the bowl game. And uh, because we're now power five, a lot of UCF fans are, you know, making those excuses and saying, are we doing this right? Are we making those excuses right? But I'm going to be honest, Rob, like, I mean, Yes, I think UCF fans and especially us, everything we say here are not Duke just won the game. We're not going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, all of our starters are out. No, like at the end of the day, I think if our offense came up and it came out and played, I think you have a good chance to win that game. I mean, Duke did not perform very well in the second half. You you had a chance to go out and show out and win that game. So there's going to be no excuses, but they are nuggets when we drop them that had an impact, right? So we're not doing no power five bias or no power five. Oh, we just didn't really care. Like at the end of the day, Duke won the game and we lost it. But let's talk about the offense, right? Because the offense ultimately was the reason we lost. And Rob, we it is the same story that we've had. And this is, it, it feels like a redundant thing. Now, I want to make it clear beforehand, right? We are not overreacting to this bowl game. Right. This is just an extra game, an extra reason that some of our thoughts are valid. There are no, uh, I am not saying, oh, this is the reason that John Rice Plumley should not be our quarterback this year or next year. This bowl game is not the reason that that is. We are taking the whole year into account and kind of why this game is a catalyst for any of our opinions going into next year. The offense looked flat. It looked, it, it, you know, they started out three straight passes. I was shocked. I'm like, whoa, like we're, we're throwing the ball. Okay, cool. Throw the ball three straight times. You hit them on a third, third and 10. I think it was to Kobe Hudson or Javon Baker for a first down. The running game just was not the running game that UCF has known over the last year. I mean, 36 carries for 128 yards. It's about an average of three and uh, three and a half yards, a carry. Um, Isaiah Bowser, if I'm being completely honest, I think he had probably one of his better games of the year. I liked kind of maybe it was the cold weather and guys just did not want to tackle him. Uh, he looked really good. I really liked how he played. It doesn't really show up on the stat line, but they kind of got away from running the football once you got down uh, in the score. Uh, we could talk John Rice Plumley, but before we do that, because that will probably take a little bit longer. Um, Xavier Townsend, uh, you know, again, redshirt freshman. He's done a lot, Rob. He's done a lot this year. I don't know what it was. It kind of just looked like he could never get a footing. I don't know if it was his cleats. I don't know if it was the turf, if if it was just like icy or something. But kind of what, what was your opinion on that? Because he's got bursts and it just seemed like he was slipping every time he got the ball. Like he had the team high reception, seven receptions on the game. So we were finding him. But anytime he got the ball, it, it looked like he could not get more than a couple yards out of it. Yeah, and I think I think it was just an overall strong performance from Duke's defense, too. I mean, you saw it all game, the pressure they put on John Rice Plumley, the pressure they put on UCF's offense. And 
I think it was just, I don't know. I think the whole team was just out of sync on offense. I mean, from the, just the bad play calling to just some awkward catches, some awkward calls, both on the run and, and in the air. I just, I think the whole team was just discombobulated. So I don't think it's just on one player. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I don't think you're saying that, but no, I think, I think the whole team just looked awkward and, and looked uncomfortable on offense. And, Listen, again, credit to Duke. I mean, there was there was guys getting sacks on John Rice Plumley too that weren't get, that had maybe one sack all season that the announcers were saying. So I mean, to show that those guys are showing up against UCF. I mean, I, I think they just kept the offense contained and I think they made the offense uncomfortable. Um and it it looked like it cuz yeah, the whole the whole product on the field offensively was a mess for most of the game. I mean, you saw it out of Isaiah Bowser too. I mean, really outside of of, you know, a one-yard touchdown, he was largely uh, a non-factor um, the rest of the game. I mean, there was almost a whole half where he just didn't wasn't used. So, he, I don't know, the whole... Yeah, but that was just because they were down. That, they, yeah. When UCF was down 17 points, I mean, they couldn't run the yeah. football anymore. There was, yeah. It was JRP, let's, let, we got to throw the ball to get out of this, get out of this hole. Yeah, and then it's awful screenplays. <laughs> so, I don't know, I think the whole team yeah, just those, discombobulated. Yeah, I agree. The screenplays, I mean, whoever... The, we'll talk about offensive coordinator stuff, but yeah, the screenplays, there there are times to use them and there are times not. Third and seven, third and four, I mean, I I would not be calling screenplays. Uh, and again, that wasn't, I think that wasn't a bowl the, game. That wasn't a bowl game exclusive. Sorry to cut you off. That wasn't a bowl game exclusive. No. Again, that was happening the whole entire second half of the year was those third and seven second and 10 screenplays that are like getting two, three yards a piece. It's like, why are we keep spamming this? Why are we using this? Yeah. And teams it's, I will say there was more this year than any other year where teams were playing up on our receivers a good chunk of the year. And what does that lead to that? That leads to teams not believing that John Rice Plumley can throw the ball deep. I mean, that's, that is a, that is a exact reason because any other year you're playing UCF and guys are 10 yards off the ball. Safeties are deep because they don't want to get beat deep. This year, I'd say a lot of the times, yeah, they know, okay, they're going to call a screen pass. Let's play five yards off the ball and know like if they do call, go and call a screen, we're going to be there. So, yeah, the screen plays were off. I, I didn't like um, UCF's defense. I'm trying to think. The bad punt. Let's go to the bad punt and then we'll talk John Rice plumbing. Uh, Duke has a 24, 25 yard punt. We have perfect field position. Now, I don't know what the score was at this point. I probably should have it pulled up, but they had a really bad punt and oh, the downs play. All right. So we get the ball on Duke's 32. It is seven to 23 at this point. Now I want to make it very clear to some UCF fans. Some people might not agree with me on this. So, you know, I want to hear what you guys think in the comments. But this was my thought process. Get the ball first and 10 on Duke's 23. And I would also elect to say sorry, but I will also understand if somebody disagrees with me on this because I'm probably in the minority. You're down seven to 23. So it's a three score game. Okay. You got run RJ Harvey for one yard, second and nine. JRP completes to Xavier Townsend for four yards. Uh, that, and, that, and then you're at third and five on Duke's 27. 
You throw to Xavier Townsend for three yards. Duke's 34. So now it's fourth and two. I was saying kick the field goal to make it a two-score game because you're going to need... Now, I shortly realized, oh, okay, you can just go for two both times and tie it up. But the way we were moving the ball, I'm like, listen, take the points. Take the points right now. But they went for it on fourth down. And we have been pretty successful on fourth down this year. But the play that they ran, John Rice, I don't know. He had the running lane. He didn't. He threw it to Xavier like near the, the sideline. And he didn't get the first down. And then Duke got the ball back. So, I mean, I would have I would have kicked the field goal there. But even to not pick up the first down, that's your game right there. That's your game. Um, Rob, let's talk JRP. Okay, listen. I think he's probably one of the toughest players UCF has ever had, personally. I think what he's kind of had to endure this season, uh, most players probably wouldn't be able to play all the games, and I think... He's done a really good job. I think he missed only one game. And I think the beating that he took this year is incredible. And I, I commend him for everything that he's done for the program and what he could do for the program next year. And listen, um, there's some stats that we're going to go through that many UCF fans will be like, oh, that's surprising um, that I, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But my, my problem with John Rice is not that he isn't talented. Right, I think it's very clear that he is. Usually, when he steps on the the field, he's one of the most talented players out there. I mean, but the inconsistencies is just too much. If if you're a quarterback, you need to stay here or go here. But when you're going like this, right? When you're going up and down, it it scares me as a fan going into next year where. By all counts, he most likely, if he's on the roster, he's the starting quarterback, right? As a fan, that scares me. Not because I don't think he can do it, but because the inconsistencies have been so noticeable where one week he's throwing five touchdowns running for three, and then the next week he's struggling to get to 100 yards pass and struggling to get touchdowns. In UCF's worst games, they average about 13, 14 points. In their worst games. In their best games, they're putting up 34. So... For me, the inconsistencies are just too much. And it's not just this bowl game, right? And like I said before, it's not the bowl game that is tell, having this response. I just think if you're going into the Big 12 next year, you can't have a quarterback that is this inconsistent because he will be the reason you lose games, especially on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody has seen enough out of JRP now to say, if he's the guy or not. Again, this is nothing to discredit what he's done for the team. He's t- You said it. I mean, the guy takes abuse out there. He's tough as nails. He's a great leader. I'm sure he's a phenomenal locker room guy, and I'm sure the players really, really like him. But just because he's got that talent and he's got those leadership skills doesn't necessarily translate to being a good quarterback and a good starter for this team. I mean, there's a reason why he's not starting at Ole Miss anymore. Uh, there's a reason why he's at UCF and why there was court you know, quote unquote quarterback controversy with Mikey Keene. I mean, this is not the guy. I, I think I think we've seen enough. I mean, he's a tough guy. Again, he he puts his heart out there. I, I you respect it. You respect the hustle. But I, I think at this point, he's a backup and you keep him around for leadership and you keep him around because he's a positive guy. But having him as a starter, like you said, the inconsistency is going to kill you. And it does kill them. 
I mean, when JRP really didn't have that many phenomenal games this year where you're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is QB1. You know, I think the one game, the last game really where you're like, JRP is really, really good with his feet and he and when he plays his game, he's good, was the first game against Tulane. Other than that, I don't think he's really been that outstanding. Uh, and when his run game gets shut down, he shuts down as a quarterback because he holds onto the ball too long when he's under pressure. He gets sacked a lot. He drops the ball a lot. Uh, I mean, there was uh, the early turnover in the first quarter that directly led to a Duke touchdown. There was, um, uh, I believe it was midway through the second quarter, I want to say. He got sacked one time, dropped the football, but luckily was able to fall right back on it and and get it. Um, But no, I mean, you saw it against ECU. You saw it against, uh, even against like Cincinnati. He fumbles the ball a lot. They turn over the ball a lot when he's in at quarterback because he's so uncomfortable in the pocket. And when he's any, puts any sort of pressure on him and he has to scramble, yeah, he's good with his feet. But if the defense is stopping that and they're catching that, he is, he is so shaky. He is a deer in the headlights. Yeah. Now let's look at a couple. We, I have the, now, this doesn't tell the whole story, so I want to make sure that uh, Trey Stralko uh, responded to a tweet because somebody posted the penultimate season comparisons of Mackenzie Milton from 2018 and John Rice Plumley from this year. Mackenzie Milton had, was 59.2% completion percentage, uh, 2,663 yards passing, and 307 rushing yards. John Rice Plumley this year, 63% completion percentage 2,586 passing yards and 862 rush yards so it doesn't tell you the whole story now some people were using that as oh you know see John Rice isn't that bad and he's not at the end of the day John Rice can win you some games but he can also lose you games and for better or worse now it's not all on John Rice some of the play calls and we'll get into play calling are just not great now, maybe they know, they understand, oh, we got to play into JRP's strengths, right? But he loses you games that, and he also wins you games. Like, I think he could benefit UCF and not saying, I think if he's the quarterback next year, I do think they could, they could win. I do think they can win right away. I think he is good enough to do that. I'm just saying with some of the players that you have on this offense, some of the playmakers. JRP is a playmaker. But do you want a playmaker at quarterback that struggles to throw the football accurately? I'm sorry, but next year, you're going to have Christian Leary in there. Javon Baker. Kobe Hudson. Quan Lee. Amari Johnson. You're going to have these guys that are playmakers. Don't even talk about Demarcus Bowman coming in next year who, by all accounts, could be one of your best players, if healthy. R.J. Harvey is probably going to be your starting back, who's really improved. I like John Rice. I really do. I think he he has done some great things this year. He's put up incredible numbers, and he is fun to watch. Like He is a fun quarterback to watch. I don't care what anybody says. But take the bowl game out of it. I think there are quarterbacks in the portal right now and quarterbacks on your roster that could probably come in and stay consistent throughout this new Big 12 season that you're going to need. You're going to need consistency because the biggest the biggest thing that cannot happen next year is the inconsistency. Because the inconsistency this year 
will be a four or five win season next year. Not saying, and Gus has never had a losing season as a head coach. So I have all the faith in the world. But if you're inconsistent week in and week out, especially on offense, it's just not going to cut. And again, I'm not putting that all on John Rice because it is not. It simply is not. It's the play calls too. And Gus has already said that, and I think we can get into that too, Rob. Like, I think Gus is probably leaning more towards whoever the next offensive coordinator is giving them the play calling duties, which I think just needs to happen. It just needs to. It's not a question. And it, I love Gus. I think he is the coach for us. I think there's no questions about that. He is the coach for UCF. But I think he even said it with everything nowadays in college football that a head coach needs to do. It is so much different from when he was at Auburn to where, yes, I know he loves to play call, but I don't think he has time to be the play caller. You've got a million other things you have to do. And I think the play calls show it. I think he knows the plays that he likes and he likes to call and he thinks, oh, my guys can do this. Unfortunately, teams have figured it out. They know what you want to do. We've shown it all year on tape. Put a, put a spy, put a QB spy in the middle of the field. Hope they can stop JRP. And listen, JRP was running all over Duke yesterday. Then he fumbled it and we went away from it. I mean, consistency. That's all we need out of the quarterback position is consistency. And I think JRP can do it. But let's talk about this, Rob. Before we get into the offensive coordinator talk, let's talk about this. And I know people will, some people will act like it's not a big deal. And I think if anybody can do it, JRP can do it. And I want to make that very, very clear. I do have trust in, in John Rice Plumley. I do. I think he can win us games. He has shown that he can win you games this season. And I'll be honest, for all the Mikey Keen stands, I love Mikey Keen. And I go to bat for Mikey Keen. Some of those games, the same problems would happen. Mikey Keen was your starter in the Navy game. I mean, if we're, or he came into the Navy game. He didn't save you in the Navy game. So, John Rice is going to play baseball. He's not going to be there in the spring, Rob. John Rice is not going to be playing spring ball. He, he's got baseball. How important is spring when it comes to quarterbacks and especially getting on, on par with your teammates? And I know John Rice came off the field and said, we need to, we need to uh, you know, go up a notch. Or he told Gus, like, we need to improve Vassar or whatever. I get that. But if you're not there, you should not be going into the start of the year as the starting quarterback. There needs to be, there has to be competition. Like there, there, before going into next year, Rob, there should be no starting quarterback. It should be whoever the quarterbacks are on the roster, throw them out there. Complete competition. Whoever wins out is your is your quarterback. Yeah, and I think I would hope you know. Gus isn't stubborn there and Gus isn't like, yeah, he's still my guy. He's still my guy. I would hope it's a little bit of an eye opener the last part of this season and how JRP has us underperformed, in my opinion. I think hopefully going into next year, that's where Gus is like, okay, yeah, clean slate. Listen, he had, you know, he went into JRP, went into camp seemingly with the same odds as Mikey Keene to win the starting job and JRP won out uh, in the eyes of Gus Malzahn and his staff. So I think you have to start off next year the same way. Um, I think you have to go clean slate. You have to say, listen, nothing's guaranteed here. We can't guarantee that JRP is the starter, especially after missing pretty much all of the spring to go play baseball. Um, I think you have to look at Thomas Castellanos, and I think you have to look at Timmy McLean. 
Um, you know, there's a reason why you brought in Timmy McLean. I think you have to, you know, you have to honestly just take a look at what you got. You know, Thomas Castellanos will be a sophomore next year. Um, again, he was thrown to the Wolves this year. I don't want to base anything we saw out of him this year, um, you know, for his future. But I think you look at both of those guys in camp, you see what JRP's got next year, see if he's made any improvements, see if maybe even baseball's helped him stay fit, stay you know, give him some arm strength, see what it's done for him. And then I think you assess it from there. I don't think you go in the next season saying JRP is still our guy. We've got to ride or die by him because he's got one more year of eligibility. We've got to ride by him. No, I, I don't think so. I think you're going into a brand new conference. You do not want to go six and six. You do not want to go six and six or God forbid have a losing record. You know what's at stake. You need to make a good first impression in a new conference. And I think you best do that by assessing everything you got and see who fits your offense best. And, you know, again, we're going to talk about offensive coordinator, but you have to see who fits that too. If that guy's calling the playbook, you know, you have to see what they offer as well and and what quarterback that's most fits their system. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. I know we have a lot of quarterbacks on the roster right now and a lot of quarterbacks on, on uh, scholarship. And listen, I like Tommy. I think he is the future. I think if you give him enough time to really develop, I think he he could be special. But with that being said, if you have a guy in the transfer portal right now that could come in and start day one and is just a special player, right? I don't know why. And there's a difference of if they are interested in coming here. I get that. It needs to be a two-way street. But I don't think if I'm Gus Malzahn, that I should not go after these guys just because I have quarterbacks, right? Like, I'm not going to let my love and affection for John Rice Plumley if I'm Gus, hinder my my mental and say, huh, Grayson McCall. Oh, yeah. If you have... Listen, Maybe if you I have, should... Yeah, if you have the ability to recruit Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina to UCF, yes, uh, absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. And I'll be... I think that is a fit in heaven. I think that is a perfect fit for both parties. But here's my my problem. I don't think Gus is even considering quarterbacks. And that because and I get it. I think Timmy McLean could be a guy. I think he showed in just one year at USF that he could be a special player. Tommy, we knew when we recruited him. Okay, that's a Gus guy. But and this is nothing against Tommy because against lesser competition, he showed out when he came out. But Tommy is a project. He's a clear, like, he is not a Tua who comes in for the starter at Alabama and lights it up in a championship game. He's not that guy. Not saying he can't be one of the greats here, but he is a project that needs time to develop. And the worst thing that you could do, and listen, JRP has had a full season of quarterback under his belt. Do I think, and this is God's honest, do I think we go out and get another quarterback? No. I think the quarterbacks are on the roster right now are probably your quarterbacks going into next year. All you need to know is go in with an open mind. Do not, if I'm Gus Miles on, I am not saying John Rice is the guy. I'm in listen, many people thought that he didn't give Mikey Keene a fair shot, that he knew JRP was the starter going into training camp. This year it cannot be like that. You need to give both Tommy and Timmy and even Dylan, all of them a fair shank at the starting job. Because if you just go in and you say it's John Rice, I'll be honest. If I am a receiver, if I am a skill position, I am not jumping for joy right now that John Rice Plumlee is my starting quarterback. Because if I am a skill position, I want to know I can get the ball. I want to know that I can show out. 
And I think John Rice can do that. But spring is very important. That is 13, 16 practices extra that you're getting in where you can develop chemistry. I mean, Christian Leary is going to see the field a lot next year. There's no question. You need to develop chemistry with him. And that's probably a disadvantage for John Rice. If Timmy McLean and Thomas Castellanos are throwing the receivers the ball and, and really making you know an impact with each other and really develop chemistry with each other, John Rice is coming into the fall not the starter. Like That's just the God's honest truth. So, too much time on the quarterbacks. It is not all on John Rice plumbing. I'm going to make that very clear. A million percent, not all on him. Some of the play calls are just bad, straight up. Now, is he inaccurate on a, on a lot of deep balls? Do we throw the ball deep a lot? No. But I think whoever you bring in as OC, the playbook needs to be changed. I mean, you could still have a similar offense in in do stuff vastly different. So let's talk about that very quickly before we go out, because most of this stuff is next year, talking about next year. We're not really going to talk much quarterback out of the, the review, the season review, because we just did all of that. But a lot of people, not going to, you know, throw people out, but a lot of people want Scott Frost back as OC. No. Now, here's my thing. All right. And here's my only thing about Scott Frost. Okay. For all the people bashing him, he had a miserable time in Nebraska. Miserable. He loves it here. He loves UCF. He called it his second home. If Now, here's the thing. I don't think us will bring him in. There is a ego thing where why bring in the former UCF coach who, number one, beat you in a bowl game, number one. Number two was the former head coach of UCF. I don't see it happening. I don't see Scott Frost coming back. But what I will say is you need to bring an OC in here. The number one won't leave after a year. Now, it's okay if they do. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, if you can't go get one of the top OCs in the country, like, go do that. But you need a guy that's going to stick around. And I'll be honest, I don't think, I think we have some quality coaches on the staff that, could do a very good job, but I think you. this is a position that I think you have to search. Go do a search. Go find an offensive coordinator. There are many quality candidates that I think could do a really good job bringing a new style offense here, and I, they have to get play calling duties. And I think Gus is going to do that because there is too much for Gus to do. And I think Gus also understands, listen, I need to get a guy in here that's going to basically formulate everything around this offense. I've got so much different things I have to work on with recruiting, like uh, NIL, all this different stuff I have to keep up on. I can't handle calling plays anymore. So how do you feel? I think we already know how you feel, but but before we close it out, how do you feel about whoever this offensive coordinator, whoever UCF hires, um, getting those play calling duties? Listen, I love Scott Frost. Yeah, I don't want him as OC. Um, I, I don't think you can go back to the well again and, and say, well, he took us to you know uh, our national championship season. He took us to the Peach Bowl. Um, you know, I respect everything Scott Frost done. Scott Frost was the first head coach when I attended UCF. You know, I got to see him in his champion first championship game for UCF. Love the guy, but yeah, I just don't. I don't want to rehash that again, and I don't want him in as offensive coordinator. But I agree. I agree with you. I think you need to go searching. Um, I don't 
really want anybody that's in-house under Gus right now just because I think just too much of Gus's influences on the playbook and too much of his influences on the offense. Um, I just think I, th- I think Gus's plays just didn't work as well this year. I think he's very stubborn with certain things. I think he tries the same thing. He goes to the well one too many times, you know, in regards to like screen plays, uh, running when you shouldn't be running. I mean, there's just he seems to deviate from what's working a lot, and I think you just need a guy that's focused on you know setting up schemes and and getting your offense in the best position possible. You got a lot of guys coming in next year. You talked about him, Christian Leary, Quan Lee, that have speed, and you need to be utilizing them. You need a guy that's going to come in, you know, run some slants, run some RPOs. Uh, you can keep some of the screen plays in there. You can keep some of that stuff, but you also need some deep plays in there too, because that's really what worked when UCF was at its best. Was uh, you know deep ball throws. You don't if John Rice is your quarterback next year. I know he can't throw the deep ball a lot, but even having some of those deep plays just to trick the defenses a little bit into thinking what you're going to do next, I, I think would absolutely help. So yes, I do agree. I think you need to go out of house. You need to go searching abroad for an offensive coordinator, even if it's just for one or two years before they leave, you, you need it for this first season going into the Big 12. I think they need it badly, and I, I think they need it more than a quarterback right now, and that's probably why uh, they haven't gotten a quarterback because I think they're trusting who they got in-house, and hopefully uh, they go searching abroad for an offensive coordinator and alleviate some of Gus's duties on that front. And I can understand where you're coming from on that sense. I do think if they hired in-house, I think they would do a good job. I, I like Because again, I, I personally think UCF needs an experienced OC, somebody that's called plays, somebody that's done that before. The problem with the guys on our staff is I think all of them have never called plays. It's it, And most of them have been under Gus, and Gus has been the one to call plays. So... It's not saying our, the guys under the staff can do it. I understand 100% where you're coming from. I, I do think the guys on our staff are capable if they they went in-house. But I do agree with you in the sentiment that the Gus influence... I mean, listen, I think if you hire somebody from out of town and Gus is hiring somebody, if I'm an offensive corner, I'm going to ask Gus, listen, if, if I'm getting play call duties, it, it's my playbook. Like... You can add some stuff in there. Of course, you're the head coach. We can we can work together. But I'm not going to make... This can't be the Gus, the Gus playbook you're handing to me and let, making me call plays. It needs to be... You need to let me run some of these plays that I want to run and give me that control. Because the whole reason you're giving a, an OC play call duties is so that he can call plays. So I do understand the influence. Maybe if they're on the staff, Gus will feel... And listen, if we're being honest, I... I think Gus could potentially hire somebody from his staff right now and just say, oh, we're gonna we're gonna promote um somebody, uh blah 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 from in from in-house. And I think Gus will feel like he has influence sometimes over whoever that is to say, okay, you know, we're gonna run this, you know, you call plays and then and listen, Gus is the uh, Gus is the head coach. So in game, if he wants to call a certain play or, or call a certain drive. He's going to have he's going to be able to do that. And I still think Gus is one of the great offensive minds in college football and he can do that. But getting a new perspective, bringing a new guy in here, I think will help everybody involved, help the team and I think will make our offense a little bit more interesting heading into next year where you don't know what play call is going to be called. You've got two guys that could potentially call a play. Uh but I'm excited to see who we can get. Uh and 
contrary to many UCF fans, I would welcome Scott Frost back with open arms. I think that would be, you have to find people that love this place like the players and the coaches do. And I think there's nobody out there right now that would love UCF and fight hard to make it great as much as Scott Frost would. And again, I understand. I understand where all UCF fans come on, on that front. I am not, I do not think anybody is wrong for not wanting Scott Frost in here. But what I will say is you don't know how long Gus will be here. Number one, you know, I'm just saying, I think he'll be here for a while. But if I'm Scott Frost, let's think about it. Where else am I going to want to go? Then wait my turn to take over the job again. Just be be a good soldier. Come back to UCF, be an OC, and wait wait for the job to come open at some point. Because he, I don't think he wants to go head coach. Like I think he definitely wants to be a head coach, but I think... He knows his next stop. And McKenzie said this on space or uh, on it wasn't space nights, but I think it was uh, mission controls, Twitter spaces. He talked with Scott Frost and Scott Frost knows that the, the next spot is, is very important. You don't want to screw up the next spot. And I, I don't, I think it'd be a very hard to screw up uh, coming to UCF with the, the weapons we had compared to what Nebraska had. So, um, I guess we'll see. And that'll be a great conversation when we do hire one. I would hire one fairly quickly. Um, you got a couple weeks here to kind of take a, take a break, take a breather. Um, and who knows? I mean, there's guys on Georgia's staff that I'm sure UCF could could probably go get and poach to, to come here. Um, so I don't think we will get an offensive coordinator until the playoffs are over with. Uh, but it will be a very interesting offseason. And who knows? We might start talking basketball too because I, I know we're a UCF football podcast, but... We can do what we want. I, I'm liking the basketball team this season, but oh, what a crazy year, crazy season. So blessed and so excited for the future of this program going to the big 12. It's going to be a fun next couple, seven months. I mean, the anticipation is going to drive us crazy, but uh, a lot of great new stuff coming and a lot of exciting things on the horizon for UCF football. Rob, Anything to say before we head on out? Yeah, I mean, it was an up-and-down season. Uh, inconsistent is a word you'd use around the team, defensively, offensively, quarterback play, coaching. Um, but no, I think there is stuff to be pl- plenty of stuff to be positive about. I think UCF had a really good transfer portal, really, a really good signing day, excuse me. Um, you know, uh, hopefully we find out in the coming weeks who offensive coordinator will be. They didn't waste any time promoting Addison Williams in place of Travis Williams. Uh, but, you know, so maybe that means that they will go abroad for an offensive coordinator, but that's still to come. Uh, that's going to have a, a big indication on how UCF plays offensively next year. Um, and then there's still quarterbacks to go through. I mean, we have to see what happens in the spring. You know, what happens when John Rice returns to the team in the fall? What, what we're looking like going to the Big 12. And I mean, hey, we're going to a Power 5 conference. So even if you're not super confident uh, in the quarterback and the team, uh, you still got to be a little bit proud that you finally made it to a Power 5 conference. And UCF absolutely should rest its laurels on that because that is a big, big turning point for this for this entire program. So I'm still excited, uh, even though, you know, the season kind of ended in a little bit of a toot. But, you know, uh, we'll go in with a bang, hopefully, into the next, into the next hopefully, 10, 15 years of UCF football. 
It should be interesting. And we didn't even get to all the young players today on defense, especially. We will talk about that in the coming weeks with our, you know, season recap and um, position recaps. We're going to be doing that, uh, going through each position, who we have coming up and, and what they can do. But let me tell you, Jakari Henderson, I am pumped. I am excited to see what he can do. He really showed out. Um, in the previous game, Matthew Alexander, we had a, uh, I mean, Cam Moore, the list goes on and on, but we've got Nikai Martinez. We've got some really good young guys, especially on that defense that I think are going to be real players for us coming soon. But we will talk about all of them and their performances in the coming weeks. I want to thank Rob Oz always for coming on and thank you for tuning in to Charge On this entire season. We will continue bringing you content through the offseason. It's going to be a long, grueling offseason, but you got spring ball coming up. You've got National Signing Day in February. You've got the transfers that are going to sign with us throughout the next however many months, and we're going to get through it, and we're going to have a good time talking about it leading in to UCS first season in the Big 12. Thank you, and this has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.